I'm Peter Marks, theater critic of The Washington Post. I'm Terry Ticha, drama critic of The Wall Street Journal. And I'm Elizabeth Vincentelli. I write for The New York Times and The New Yorker. And welcome to Three on the Isle, a podcast from New York about theater in America. We're hosted by American Theater Magazine, a publication of the Theater Communications Group. And wow. Okay. You guys, I, I feel like I'm wondering if this is really happening or if it's the weirdest dream sequence since that Daniel Fish, Oklahoma revival. <laughs> But no, it's, it more, it's more like Sondheim. We're still here. <laughs> we're still here. It's merrily we roll along. We're traveling know, back. It's crazy. So theater's returning in real life. We can argue whether or not it went away or not. Um, and so theater is returning and so is Three on the Isle. It's, it's crazy. And, uh, you know, it's been a few months. I've lost track. But surely can it cannot have been more than two? I don't know, three? since our last episode. So there's a lot to talk about, a lot. You know, and we kept going for a while. We, we did try, but I think it was difficult to just muster the energy, I think. And, and it was a question of morale, I think, in a way. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have been reviewing an online show every week since uh, uh, the lockdown, and uh, I've enjoyed nearly all of them. But you just come to a moment when um, you need to see human beings again, um, mm-hmm. which hasn't, hasn't happened for me yet. I have not yet been to a live performance. I'm going to start that wow. next month uh, up in the Berkshires when I have a whole run of shows in New England, and I'm thrilled. I, I've been to about 15 live performances already, and my first uh, last weekend was in, in a non-socially distanced, uh, maskless uh, audience uh, at uh, Outdoors in an amphitheater on Little Island, which is a new uh, New York City venue. It's kind which, of glorious For the uh, record, I will say I'm totally opposed to Little Island on principle. <laughs> oh. Interesting. Well, uh, uh, interesting. Well, it, it's lovely, and it's it's all you know. The pr- performances are all free there, and uh, it's a nonprofit. It's not a uh, for-profit uh, enterprise. Um, there, I feel like it's quite wonderful. But uh, well, I mean, how did it maybe, feel maybe, though, Peter, to see a show with people around you, not distance, no masks? I mean, did you feel strange? Was it anxiety making? No, I felt wonderful. I felt wonderful, and maybe because I have been at some socially distanced masked performances, I'm sort of wading back in. It, it, or maybe I'm a frog that I don't realize I'm being boiled to death. <laughs> maybe that's the you know the image. You know, slowly the temperature rising. You know that whole yes. thing about a frog. You know, the, anyway. But uh, but the, uh, the the absolute uh, uh, fact of the matter was I was delighted, and you know what? And to go with what you were saying, Terry, the uh, the experience of looking around at this audience of this diverse audience of New Yorkers and thinking what we all got through together and being with them all together in this space again, it was, extru- I got all choked up. I mean, it's that, it's that experience. I know I will it's the that, first time I'm in the audience. And, and uh, I feel that almost every time I'm with people now, um, this, this collective, this sense of a collective survival um, uh, instinct kicks in and the feeling of and, and theater is just that the vitality of it and how important it is just is brought home to me so strongly mm. now. It's, it's secular communion. Mm. And we have endured. I mean, with a little bit of luck, we've in fact prevailed. And uh, I hope, I hope. Well, you said something yeah. funny though, Peter, when we were uh, preparing for this comeback episode. Uh, you yes. actually wrote, I can't face any more theater online, even if I must. <laughs> Would you care to expand? <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I see we're, we're disclosing our, uh, our, our and, communication and among ourselves that, to, the, li- uh, li- to the listening public. Listeners may be stunned to hear that we actually prepare this. <laughs> this is, Pri- privileged <laughs> that's privileged true. communication. This is the yeah. great reveal yeah. of, the, of the show. <laughs> uh, you know, it's with the... With the promise of of live, it becomes that much harder for me to entertain the idea that digital productions are theater. It it seems ever more 
a substitute and, and an unnecessary substitute in the sense that I feel like it's a placeholder for many theaters to say, we are still here. It, it was useful in that uh, way. And aside from productions that were made for a digital audience, the ones that were absolutely produced as theater to be uh, received in that form, those I still think have a place. But to just see filmed work uh, that really is meant to be seen on a stage. Uh, that's where I'm I, just tired. Well, and some, some of the more ambitious regionals are actually gearing up to show uh, productions of exactly the same kind you're talking about. Uh, Writers Theater in Glencoe is about to do one called Rideshare, which they, in fact, bill as a film and was not initially conceived for, for stage production. Um, I'm seeing the word hybrid being used uh, mm. uh, out in the social media to describe this. And um, what I'm sorry about, because the other side of this coin is that uh, the existence of, of streaming theatrical videos is making theater available to people who cannot otherwise see it uh, from you know, older people who can't travel to the theater to a much larger catchment area of the potential audience. And yet, we're not going to get much of that, I don't think, once the shows are open, because Actors' Equity believes deeply that this kind of thing should happen. I think, uh, I, I completely agree with Terry there. I think uh, the issue of access, whether it's physical for a lot of people, or financial, or geographical, um, it meant that a lot of people who could not go to the theater before could stream it from their home. And I think that's going yeah. to continue. And once again, I think Britain and Europe, but especially Britain is going to be way ahead of us on this. Uh, I agree that Actors' Equity is going to block this in the US. So the companies doing it will be non-equity companies and th that's okay. But I'm seeing, for instance, in England, um, the Chichester, is that how it's pronounced? Chichester Festival, which is like a yes. major institution. Mm -hmm. They're going to stream a lot of their live performances, not all, just select ones. For instance, they're doing a, a production of um, South Pacific this summer, later this summer, with Julian uh, Ovenden, who's well known over there. And they're going to stream uh, live stream select performances of that. Uh, the Southwark Playhouse is streaming two performances of their next play, and more and more of them. And I think the Shakespeare Globe also is going to stream select performances. And here, I hope Equity will work out some kind of contract with bigger productions, because I think it's a really important thing. And I really do not think it's, quote-unquote, cannibalizing sales. Of, oh, no. It is not happening. That is such a canard that has been used for a long time to block. Uh, As everybody in sports will tell you, it absolutely. builds audiences. It does. That is it, really, it does yes. Them. And so I really hope that will happen. I'm not saying stream everything. Obviously not. But stream select performances. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, well, we are... Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, we're uh, lucky. Sorry. No, sorry, but I we're lucky enough that we can go. But not everybody has that luck. Uh, but give know? us the comeback. Give us the comeback, Peter. You? Yes, please. Oh, you guys are you guys are so sensitive and warm and fuzzy. <laughs> what? You know, Me? you guys really. Yeah, you are, Terry. You're fuzzy and warm. Oh my both god, both of you. I yes, I know. Yeah, you make like I'm the I'm the Grinch who stole digital theater, right? I I I'm not I'm not buying it. Um, yeah, I think God love you. You know, you like seeing plays on tape, everybody out there. I, I have no that's interest in it. That's not what we're saying at all. Um, that's not what we're saying at all. That's not what we're saying. No. Yes, you are. You're saying, oh, we can all, all the people who can't go to the theater can see everything <laughs> that's now. That's totally not what yeah, we're saying. Yeah, I mean, I, we God say, love you. I we, think it's great. Don't make we, me go. That's all. You go with, that's not what we're saying at all. We're lucky enough that we can go. For reals, not everybody can do that. That's all we're Peter, saying. Let, let me ask you a different question. Yeah, um, I know. It's, it, you, know, you, it's, you don't want or need to do it. But do you think... You're full of if, beans today, Peter. 
I am, man. Is, it, is, is this is this the is this the election? <laughs> I know it's it's put me on edge. It's put me yeah, on the edge. New York, man. Uh, uh, Elizabeth is referring to the New York yeah, City, City mayor's race, which is we're taping as the votes are being uh, 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 tallied today. Um, yes. uh, but uh, no, I, I'm being a little bit facetious. I'm, I'm trying to uh, you know gin up uh, listenership uh, if I, you know by creating. <laughs> By creating uh, some some Are conflict, you- but I mean it does reflect at some level my impatience. With I find myself, uh, you know, the the fact of the matter is I can't uh, I cannot devote the same kind of attention to a laptop that I can in a theater space. Um, I stare at my I keep looking at my phone during shows. I you know I mean it's all that you know even the idea I can pause it and go away and come back. Yes. Uh, because I'm uh, those things are are conveniences, but they rob me of that immediacy that I crave uh, for theater. Listen, I resent that I'm going to have to put on pants to see theater again. I really resent that. I take it as a personal attack against my hey, I, level I of have comfort. Pants on for this tape, which has not always been no, the case. In the you past. know, there's also such <laughs> a thing as. There's such a thing, oh even on even on audio. There's such a thing as TMI. I don't necessarily <laughs> want to know how the two of you view in the privacy of your own laptops. That's not like thank Jeffrey you very too. much. Listen, I happen. I'm in my underwear eating pirate's booty. If you, if you, I, if you must I know. wear three piece suits and ties when I'm watching on laptops. Thank you very much yeah, because I'm trying to preserve the dignity of the occasion. You know, I, one thing. <laughs> This past year, and I, I've reviewed, I don't know how many, I've probably reviewed 70 theatrical webcasts, maybe a few more than that. Uh, some have worked better than others. Some have not worked very well at all. I have learned that comedy is much harder than serious plays in the absence of, an, of a reacting audience. It just, you know, an audience uh, gives you, something to bounce off, tightens up the timing. But I have also seen really well-conceived streaming productions by companies, and I know a pretty fair amount about regional theater because I, I spent so much time covering it. I've seen companies I never heard of before the pandemic, and they have gone on my, this I'm going to see as soon as they open up again. Probably the, the big one for me is Undermain Theater in Dallas, which turned out to be absolutely, I think I reviewed three shows of theirs. and was extremely impressed with all of them. They were all small scale shows, but it's a small scale house. And um, I've seen other just the, the companies of quality work that completely engrossed me. But Peter, you, you really have put your finger on something when you say that the, the availability of distraction when you watch theater under these circumstances, that's hard. That's tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, Benjamin Britten, the, the classical composer, used to say that the, the, the problem with listening to music on records or on the radio was that you could do it under any circumstances without any preparation, mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. setting aside the time and that that was not worthy of the experience. And I've thought that too. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I've, I've paused shows in the middle, mm-hmm. and I, there have been shows that I really did not want to press on to the end with. Um, <laughs> not many. And people have been very selective about what they show. They've done it well. Um, uh, the Irish rep in New York here really set the gold standard early for uh, imaginative online production, and then other companies have followed in its wake. We're going to lose that because of actors' equity. And that saddens me. It saddens me because of the loss mm-hmm. of access. And I wish they would rethink that. I really do. Yeah. I would. I. I know we have to move on, but I. W- I would love someone. Uh, what I don't know to this day uh, is how extensive the audience was or has been for all this online mm. theater. No one has shown me a single measurement that gives me any indication that it has caught on. And I think the measure will be. Well, a couple of companies have privately shared numbers with me. And uh-huh. um, they were both impressive and they were uh, worldwide in the case of one company that really opened the books to me. And early mm-hmm. on, uh, the, the first 
online show that I reviewed, which was uh, from San Francisco, a- ACT's uh, uh, production of... Um, oh, Tony Stone. Tony Stone, a wonderful show. They did a broadcast quality... Uh, it didn't look, it looked, looked like three cameras. It was actually two. But they told the journal that their admission paid for the entire online show. Now, important company. It was it was early in the run. You know, this this was a this was a big thing, and and I was able to write about it, and everything was work coming their way. But uh, other companies have told me that they've gotten their reach has extended far beyond their their normal compass, um, and I don't have any reason not to believe them. Um, yeah, I, I've heard the, uh, you know, my anecdotal information is that that very few places have been able to make money um, on online. But that's, right. you know, that's that's not necessarily the best measure uh, because, you know, they're nonprofit theaters, most of them. And they should, you know, they, that, that their focus is not necessarily making a buck on every show. No. So it was a, it was a service. And of course, it did, you know, reach people they normally wouldn't reach, which is all good. By the way, Arena Stage is doing Tony Stone in September and they're going to broadcast it. Uh, for one performance on the Jumbotron at Na- Nationals Park. Oh my goodness! What which a wonderful is a real, idea! Yeah. Wow! Yeah, isn't that a great idea? It's such um, a good plan. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I do think uh, what I was going to say, and maybe we should wrap this up, Elizabeth, unless you have a, a thought about this. Mm. But I, I think the value of this period will be the ideas that are generated in how theater can be rethought via mm-hmm. the tools of digital yeah. and what that has brought to the table in terms of interactivity and immersion and all these sort of, you know, all those vanguard ideas that we talk about all the time. I do think that that has been a great thing. And that conveyance translated back to live, um, even in a hybrid form, is a is a useful uh, advance. So, uh, you know, in spite of my facetious a downplaying of the of the advantages of digital. Um, I do see the, and I do think that Terry um, and Elizabeth, both of you, have done yeoman service reviewing online over the last year and a half. Because so. you're so warm and fuzzy. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. You are. That's right. We're. I we're am so kind sensitive. of warm and fuzzy, actually. But... Which people have so often said. Said that of me, Elizabeth. You're so sensitive. I know. Doing a show with two empaths is, you know, really, uh, you know, it's really taught me a lot about the human condition. I know. Well, we, you know, we're 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 so happy to just gently guide you through to your this own great awakening. Thank you. Wonderful world of paying attention to others. Thank you, Sensei. Um, okay. So, all right. Moving on. Uh, so, by the time this podcast is out to the world, uh, Broadway will be back officially, I believe, because right. the first show back is Springsteen on Broadway, which I, I didn't, didn't see the first time around and am likely not to see again. Um, I did. We sent our rock well, guy yes, well, and I doubt they'll make press seats available for this. Um, yeah. So I don't have a spare $800 uh, because you know what else is back, baby? Broadway prices. Yeah. They have learned their lesson. They are not going down. And in fact, <laughs> it looks like the fees are even worse. Shocker. <laughs> the fees are even worse than before. It's just insane. So anyway, so Springsteen is back. And then uh, Shakespeare in the, ba- in the Park is coming July back. July 6th for Merry Wives. Yep, with a new adaptation of Merry Wives. By Jocelyn Beale. And I bet that's going to mm-hmm. be good. Hope yeah, so. It's a very, very uh, exciting uh, All project. Black. All black cast. Uh, yeah. Passover. It's transferring to Broadway. That's uh, opening August 4th. I love that show uh, at Lincoln Center. And apparently uh, the playwright uh, Antoinette Nwandu has uh, done some rewrites on it, which I'm very curious mm. about. She made a happy uh, ending. Yes, she changed the ending. Okay, well, so no spoiler at all. She Thank said you. it online. She's announced no, it I know, online. I know. I know. I, I'm I know. not. I, I interviewed her and I said, I don't know if you want to announce this. You know, she said, no, no, no. I've written about it online. So, you That's know. That's funny. Anyway, yeah. Um, I like that show very much. We're a long way towards any significant number of new plays opening up on Broadway. Yes, it's all, well, that's... They're reopening the the musicals. Yes, and, uh, well, I guess my first question is, who 
who is going to go to a lot of those shows? I'm talking about the Broadway one. Like who is going to go? Who are they being marketed to? Because there's, for instance, a big day in September, mid-September, where I think the Lion King, there's three really huge ones reopening on the same day. I think Wicked Phantom Hamil- Lion King. Wicked Hamilton and the Lion King, September 14th. Right. We're going to find out really fast whether the tourist trade is ready to start coming back to New York. And if it isn't, Broadway has made a very bad bet. It- do you think New Yorkers are going to go to these three, any of these three shows, for instance? No, I can't afford it. Like, well, first of all, I think you. The, the fact is that it, that as of right now, you can get a ticket to anything. You know, this is not like you know there is no show that is sold out. Music Man is doing very, very well for December, but they had a carryover audience that they yeah, they the kept their tickets for. Just was announced for next February. I think I saw it today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It starts in December, and be, right, but it's oh, right, performance start then. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> right, shocker. Um, like but, uh, and there are some, you know, interestingly, there are a few new plays already. Thoughts of a Colored Man, uh, Passover. Mm-hmm. We've got, we're going to have in this season um, the the uh, Lehman Trilogy. We're going to have Dominique Morisot's Skeleton Crew uh, at uh, MTC, I think. And at second stage, we're going to have Between, Between Riverside and Crazy. Not necessarily mm-hmm. new plays, but recent plays, good plays. Between so Riverside I, and Crazy mm-hmm. is coming back. That's terrific. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. To Broadway like this time. And yes. So there is a, you know, there is, a, a, you know, there's the potential for this to be a very strong, actually, year for plays. But as to your point, to your question, Elizabeth, the answer is, I don't know that, first of all, there's not going to be any international tourists, which is about 30% of the audience on Broadway. You don't think it's going to come back? Not till next because, year. Like, not. Okay. I mean, they're not even letting in some countries yet. I mean, you know, I mean, this is not even, uh, it's, you know, mm. we're, we're, we're still months away from that. And, and the Canadian border is still closed. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no, yeah. there's no expectation for the foreign tourism this year. Uh, the, there are uh, starting to be domestic tourism. And the feeling is that by the, uh, by the first quarter of 2022, we'll be back to very robust, um, uh, national visitor visitors from all over the country, something like ninety two percent of pre COVID. They think um, that's the prediction. I want to take this opportunity to put in a plug. The last show I saw before the the Iron Curtain came down was Katori Hall's The Hot Wing King, which was off Broadway. It was at uh, a signature. That play should go to Broadway. It is a natural for Broadway. It could succeed on Broadway. And yet its run was cut short. I mean, it didn't even have, it only had a fraction of the run it was scheduled for. We need for that play not to vanish. And that would, that would really be a, a tribute, an investment uh, to the future of, of, of younger playwrights uh, uh, to show that works like that can fly on Broadway. Because I, I, I mean, I'm not a producer. But I would absolutely bet that that play could pull an audience on Broadway, a Broadway audience. And I believe, actually, that just as a side note to that, so that play just won the Pulitzer, which yeah, I forgot to mention should that. be a, a good event. But one of the finalists, uh, Circle Jerk, was a digital native, uh, I believe. I don't think it had any physical production right. before Correct. that. And that... That is a kind of something worth noting. Yes. I was on the you know, jury. No. I was on the Pulitzer jury. Oh. Uh, so I have some I guess, knowledge. I guess you of, have a code of silence. But, no, I, I, you know, it doesn't have to be that. Uh, you know, it, please. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't think it has to be completely a uh, cone of silence. Uh, we, I felt very strongly that there should be. Uh, a, na- a, 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 a what you call it, a digital native? I love that term. Yeah, digital uh, native. I felt very it. strongly that uh, a sh- that that this year of all years had to there should be some representation that way. And I'm that, glad you and did. It was, um, and uh, but I agree with you, Terry. I think Cotwing King would. I th- I'd be very surprised if we don't see it on Broadway at some point. Maybe not this I year. Think. Maybe next year. Uh, it's it's it's. It's not only you know not only a Pulitzer now has the the you know that sort of imprimatur, but it's a commercially viable production. It, it really it's, is. It's it has it has you know uh, it could be a, a widely appealing um, piece of theater. It's funny and it's warm mm-hmm. and it's serious and you know I mean in, in many senses. So and it's got a fun in, sort in, of um, inclusive in a very interesting way. Yeah, um, the story of black gay black men in in. Tennessee, uh, you know, uh, entering a hot 
chicken wing contest, but yet, in, you know, revealing so much about themselves and the way they live uh, is... Katori Hall is such a good playwright. She is, she is now. It's funny because she the, really the is. first thing I saw of hers, which I did not like at all, was The Mountaintop. Me too. And, I totally agree. That is her weakest Yeah, yeah And somebody who knew her work said to me, hang on. There's more to her than this. Right, right. And now she's, so good. she's on my short list of, of the the working American playwrights whose well, work can, I most look forward to. We can blame the UK mm-hmm. the UK for building up the mountaintop. That was that's where it started. And I you know, I think it was unfortunate in a way. Yeah. That was the first thing we yeah. all saw. It was first. very big and regional too. Right. Yeah. And one of the right. important one of the important things that I want to see change is that plays like that don't just run in February and they're not just by black authors. And you can really see regional programming start to reflect the changes in attitude that we have seen over the past two years. It's very mm-hmm. encouraging. Well, you, you're touching on also something because the past year was not just, you know, theaters closing down. There was a kind of huge wave. Well, I don't know if you, call that a wave, but there was a huge like systemic like reconning in theater. Yes. Which of course is what happened with the whole BLM movement and theater of course was affected uh, and had to react to it. And I think there's been, I, I really hope this is not just cosmetic, uh, that it's not just people plastering bromides on their website. And because anybody can say that, I stand with you that, you know, just, just put it in your season. Don't, Put it on your well, website. The hiring is suggesting to me that something is really going on. Um, yes, uh, it's, it's, there are. It's yeah. much deeper than cosmetic as far as regional mm-hmm. uh, uh, hiring of of, um, of staff goes, and you gotta have that. I mean, it is theoretically possible for, for an all white, all male staff to range widely, but you know, it, it it's harder than hell, and it doesn't come naturally. And they shouldn't have to do that. We don't want them to do that. Um, so we're we're seeing ripples in the water that uh, I think are going to extend quite a ways out. I hope. What do you guys think? What do you guys think of the fact that virtually everything that's been announced for coming back and things really start kicking in uh, in September? That's when it really starts revving up. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of the fact that almost everything is things that were here before? You know, I mean, it's it's the rare now show that's you know g- going to have space in the short term yeah. uh, on Broadway, something fresh. Uh, what what does that betoken? You know, what does that say to audiences about what Broadway represents if we're just seeing the things that are you know mostly things that were already you know that were pre-COVID favorites? Yeah, yeah. It says exactly what it sounds like that there is no. Mm-hmm no thought of Broadway being a source of adventure, a source of innovation. It is a, an instrument with which to sell theater tickets to tourists and up to a point to New Yorkers. I, I forget what the breakdown on that is, but uh, uh, Broadway would not exist without tourists. And, you know, it's been like that for a long time. I mean, Broadway is about musicals, and I'm not complaining about musicals. I love, I adore musicals. But um, Hamilton was an outlier when it comes to Hamilton and the band's visits. Yes. You know, what what had we seen before that that we thrilled to on Broadway? Um, Well, I I often have a very good time on Broadway, but it is insane to say Broadway is theater and theater is Broadway. And too many people make that amalgam, which is just a terrible, terrible idea. I'm a little bit more concerned now because I am not seeing many announcements from the big nonprofits in terms of what they're planning to do, uh, at least here in New York. Uh, they were really stopped short by the pandemic. Um, I, I'm going to go further than that. I think the behavior of some of them has been shameful. Some of them just disappeared. Their, yeah. their leaders where were they? They were what in their second home in the Catskills. Like I find that completely more than distasteful. I find that really shameful that some of the bigger leaders of nonprofit were just 
silent. They were gone. They were just like waiting for the whole thing to go away, waiting for the whole thing to go away so they could go back to putting on the same thing. You know, like when I, when you see like, we're back and we're going to put on the shows that we had announced last year, like nothing happened. And I understand that they also have, they also owe it to their playwrights and the people they're working with. Fine. I get that. But I think it's insane that so many of them have been completely silent. So many of them. As a result of this, the locus of interesting new production has shifted away from New York. It was, it was it moved to the regionals because off-Broadway fell silent. Uh, I mean, except for a couple of small companies like the Irish Rep and Mint. Um, the major nonprofits, uh, they did nothing. I mean, I realized that New York was a hot spot uh, during the first part of the pandemic. But, you know, most regional theaters at least tried to get some content into the pipeline to stay alive with their their audiences, their subscribers. And it didn't happen here. Yeah, no, no, you're right. And I think an interesting development is that we've seen a lot of co new collaborations between regional theaters. Like we've seen a lot of theaters, like a lot of co-presentations. Uh, this is not a really, I mean, you know, like Berkeley Rep and Dallas Theater Center and like four others are presenting this show. And then they would present this virtual show and each week was like sponsored or presented by one yeah. of them targeting their, their mailing list and their audience. I did not see, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't, I didn't see any equivalent even among the New York companies here. Yeah. And I've talked to, talking to some of the original uh, theaters, institutions, they have said that it's been a really big thing for them to create links between each other and pooling yes. their resources and pooling their mailing list and pooling their, their yep. talent. It's been, um, I find this really, really encouraging that people are not, you know, in their little local silo, but they're like reaching out to others and bypassing New York. Well, I think this is really... Even if streaming theater yeah. is cut short by equity, these developments will last and yes, will make absolutely. a difference. I, I, absolutely. I, I'm a little... I, I'm not sure that, you know, it's fair to totally uh, take these people to the woodshed um, at a time that really was like nothing any theater company had ever prepared for or understood what the, no, the you're right. what the you're ramifications right. or how long it would go on and and I do think that there were different paths taken um, by different companies which is understandable um, and there was also warnings given to a lot of these companies to squirrel their resources because there was going to be a you know down the road a lot of problems with getting people back and how they were going to pay people now on the other hand we'd have to look very deeply at which companies furloughed staff you know to push mm -hmm. people out that's the part that disturbs me uh and uh left people high and dry who worked for them and uh and in the meantime they got PPP loans or whatever those other you know all those yes. things yeah. uh, you know there's there's going to be some kind of as you said reckoning I think for how these companies behaved I, and what what and they not just in theater classical music has been decimated yeah. by this mm -hmm. uh, the Metropolitan right. Opera I I don't know whether the Metropolitan Opera will restart in any recognizable form the New York Philharmonic which of course had the terrible problems of its uh, auditorium being remodeled. But, but, but I, mean, I will say that, you know, you know, as you've both pointed out, you know, New York is not the epicenter of everything always. And, no. and as, as far as Washington theaters uh, have, have, be, have behaved over the past uh, 18 months, there has been a huge amount of activity. And, oh, and, yes. and that oh, has, yeah. and I think has raised the profile, another probably a good thing about digital, it has raised the profile of places like Roundhouse Theater, which got together with McCarter Theater mm -hmm. and did that whole yep. uh, wonderful series of plays by Adrienne Kennedy, uh, which I think was one of the highlights of this period. And there, those things so so I just think that, you know, you can't broad brush anything in terms of how these theaters have responded. It's been very individual about what they've done and how they've done it. No, 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 it's no. New, but York, I, I, New York's been bad, but Washington's good. Philadelphia's been good. Chicago's been good. I mean, there's a lot of action I, out I don't, there. 
I don't think we're broad brushing. I think, well, I'm saying that some companies did a lot better than others. And the ones, and some of the bigger ones, I really felt just felt very, very, very short. Mm. And there should be a question as to, yes, as to what they did with their staff, how they treated their staff during that. I, I want to know how some of those big nonprofits whose artistic directors, it must be said, make a lot of money. You, you know, like you have to have, I really think part of an artistic director's job is to lead and to be there and saying, guys, we're, we're going to get through this. We, and it's, and I realized part of it is for show. It's, you know, the show of show business, but it's also for morale. I don't think it can be discounted. And for the fact that they have subscribers, what are their subscribers thinking of all this? They have really, really big subscriber bases. So I'm very curious uh, about that. Well, one company that did well and got lucky uh, off Broadway was the Mint Theater Company, which is a small company that specializes in revivals of, of little-known American plays, of the, broadly speaking, between the 20s and 50s. And British and, and Irish. Right, and British and Irish, which paid its people. But I had no idea for the past five seasons, six seasons, they had been doing broadcast quality videos of their previews and they cleared the rights and they put them all up for free on streaming. And uh, they're one of the companies that got an international reach with these things. I mean, I was writing about them because I was amazed by what they were doing, but they had all of this uh, in the treasure house. And, you know, the mint is always going to be a small company. That's its nature. But it's going to be a small company that a lot of people, not more people, know about than did a year and a half ago. And I think that's wonderful. I'm thrilled for them. Mm. But there was also foresight involved in it. All right. Well, should we uh, We could go on? We're settling accounts. No, we love you all. We love you all. <laughs> Except not when we have to come back at 11 p.m. after all. Just a really crap show. Oh, we're going to be back to that too, you know. And you'll have to have pants on, Elizabeth. <laughs> I'm going to have to have pants. I won't be able to eat pirate's booty. I'm going to have to have pants on. This is just like, this is going to crank my style. Hey, Elizabeth, have you been to anything live? Uh, no, but I'm going tonight. What are you seeing? I'm going to the La Mama Benefit, uh, hosted by my favorite uh, Sasha Velour. And I'm very excited. They're paying uh, tribute to whole gaggle of fantastic historic drag queens um, <laughs> and when charles bush is one of the youngest ones you know it's going to be good so i have to i think we have to i do think we have to there's one other you know issue that sort of urgently needs to address and we we haven't really touched on it and that is you know springsteen on broadway is going to require vaccination cards oh, yes now it's the only show so far that has announced any kind of policy. Everyone else is saying, well, we'll follow whatever the guidelines are for the city and the state. Um, but they've been very vague about it. And mm. I wonder what you think, you know, regardless of how many people actually show, what is the obligation, do you think, of, you know, nonprofit theaters and commercial uh, productions to uh, assure people that, you know, they, or make them feel completely uh, comfortable, especially as they're going to be sitting side by side, and I, I assume masked. Uh, but um, well, they'll be smart if they do. What, what's your, you know, what do you think needs to be done? Do you think we should well, require vaccinations? I'm all for it. Yes, I'm all for it. It's 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 public health, and if you do not want to be vaccinated, it's fine. That's your prerogative. It's I find it insane, but that is your prerogative. But then you don't get to see Springsteen. That's just that's yeah, just how it, it works. Terry, you feel the same it way? It is the prerogative of the presenter not to admit you. So, okay. They're completely legally covered. So you're, you're, I, I'm, I'm not asking, I mean, I am like, you know, totally on board with vaccination and mask. I, I, I you know, I, I have even found actually in live performance sitting with a mask on, I forget that I'm wearing a mask. Um, so yeah, I, I don't yeah, have, yeah. I haven't had that problem, uh, but uh, I think this is there will be it come an issue at some point as COVID recedes. You know, at what point do we does the is the threshold met for relaxing further? You know, is it just? Do you think it's just the um, the repeat the repeated practice of being back out in, with people that people will become 
you know, will will feel generally more acclimated to being a, among other people, and that will be kind of the natural measurement of how we uh, we get attract larger crowds. Yeah, that question is going to answer itself. Um, and of course, the state of New York has now uh, released all uh, COVID requirements, but the kinds of people who go to Broadway, who go to shows, I would guess are more likely than the national norm to have been vaccinated, to be mask friendly. Um, I you know, it's not its not like Austin, Texas or someplace like that. I don't think so. But that's the thing. The, the t- t- tourism is coming back and there's huge discrepancies between states. I mean, New York State or Vermont, you know, we have quite high rates of vaccination. But when you start looking at, yeah, Texas, Florida, well, they don't care, the but then I mean, they're going to come and visit us. So what, what do we do? Is this the New York theater tourist audience? I would guess for the most part, it's not. Uh, the mm. big musicals, they're going to have to grapple with it. Uh, and I don't know how they'll do that. But uh, I think for the most part, the kinds of people who want to come to New York to see a show, there's probably a high concordance with the likelihood that you have been vaccinated. I, would, I wouldn't bet money on it, but it's what I would guess. Would, would you feel comfortable sitting next to someone if you knew they weren't vaccinated? <sighs> well, I would because I am. So, um, okay, so their, their, their status would not affect your comfort level. Well, and I'm going to be wearing a mask. And they start coughing. Uh, one might have a chat with them. Well, yeah, but then it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, if I'm, if I'm vaccinated and I'm wearing a mask, and they're coughing, they are probably not going to infect me. Uh, I, listen, if, 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 if ushers already could not discipline people with their cell phones, you really think they're going to discipline someone who's coughing and not wearing a mask and asking them about their, their vax card? It's not going to happen. Well, so to get I, in, you very... can control the vax card with admission to the theater space itself. And I assume that is what they will do. Well, I, I, I mean, we'll get a good did, test did, of that with Springsteen. Peter, did, did not, did, did, didn't you have an experience like that when you went to see Mike Daisy? Because he was one of the first, was, was it you? What? you? You went to see Mike uh, Daisy, yes. right? And a couple showed right. up, a couple showed up and they, they, they showed up and they were told at the door that they had to be vaccinated. And they said they didn't know they had to be vaccinated. They weren't. And they were turned away. And they were furious. Okay. They said the guy walked away saying, "I spent a hundred bucks on these tickets." I don't know why I spent a hundred bucks on tickets to well, my dad. Yeah, right. Happen. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. but so well, so there there is these there are these uh, you know flashpoints that are going to happen. But I will just say that the rules are crazy. Uh, so I went on the New York City ferry this weekend. You had to be masked, covered. Your face had to be covered to get on the ferry. Um, I went to a restaurant uh, where the same day where you didn't have to wear a mask. Uh, or and there was no it's, indoors or outdoors. I went to a theater on Saturday night where there was no, it was unmasked and not socially distanced. Um, these things uh, are, are changed. Uh, the, the, the rules are, you know, from venue to venue to venue change during the day. And sometimes I even forget if I've got my mask on or not, depending on where I've come out of or gone into. So, you know, I mean, this is going to be a, uh, it's it's not even a learning curve. It's 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 a coordination curve. This, this this culture has no set sense of how they want to proceed. No, that's right. Yes, it's it's going to be a a, a total mess. A total mess. <laughs> and God knows there's well, going to be a you know Melbourne, Australia, which where they have been doing theater for weeks. Uh, Frozen had to stop for four days because there was an outbreak. You know there was a I don't you know I don't know all the particulars, but. You, God is my witness. Some show in the next four or five months is there's going to be someone who's going to get sick in one of those theaters, and they're going to have to shut down. And it will, you know, what is the what is the protocol? How do well, listen? You know, there, there's right, right now. A, you know, it'll be a musical. There's the, yes. Well, there, there, there's the Euro soccer tournament happening right now in Europe, and they're playing in stadium, and some of the stadiums are full capacity. Now, okay, so it's outdoors, but they're like. People are crammed in there, right, right. like tens of thousands. Right. And I was just reading an article in the French press where they were saying, well, could, could those stadiums become hotspots for the Delta variant? Right. Why wouldn't they be? Right. Europe is behind New York State, for instance, in terms of vaccination. And now you have 40,000 people 
you know, like cramming into a stadium outdoors, but very close to each other. It's a very good we, question. We don't know. We don't know what we're doing yeah, at this I point, know. you know? So, and on those wonderful words, should we uh, like plug some stuff we want to see or just saw? Yeah, or, why not? I the, next, doozy. Yeah. the next thing you're looking forward to seeing, why not? Yes. All right. So I'm, I'm going to start because I, um, I just, uh, a couple of years ago, I was invited to a reading of a play uh, and I usually don't go to those, but I had really loved the playwright's previous show, which was called The Workshop. This guy named Tori Townsend and The Workshop, uh, which I reviewed, uh, which is very hard to Google, by the way, The Workshop. Um, it was a wonderful play where Austin Pendleton played uh, a kind of almost was, almost ran a playwright, uh, was teaching in an MFA program. And it was this curing of um, creative writing programs. It was really brilliant. So anyway, so Tori Townsend has a new play, had a new play called Off-Broadway, which was about an off-Broadway company, just roughly kind of like think MCC or Atlantic or, or Goodman or something like that, mid-size. And it was one of the most brutal takedowns and incredibly funny, just brilliantly funny. It's a real comedy. Um, and wow. Dylan Baker was playing this uh, beleaguered uh, managing director of that of that company. And now they're doing it. And it was directed by Robert O'Hara, who directed Slave Play and Barbecue and, and Booty Candy. He was a great director. So they're doing it online. And Tori Townsend rewrote it. So it's now taking place in Zoom meetings. So it's the it's really fitting the subject. And he tweaked it so it takes place. It's now set in 2020. It's the same company and the general argument is the same, but he made some adjustments and it's one of the funniest. I was reading the script and just laughing on my own reading the script. Uh, Dylan Baker is back. Becky and Baker is in it as well. Uh, Richard Kind is in it and he gets a monologue that is just like one of the funniest monologue. I cannot wait to hear Richard Kind say oh. that monologue. I oh, cannot recommend this show. Well, this is funny this is really really funny and vicious oh, I... it is so good it's called off broadway again a seo nightmare is it um is is it online it is it is going to be online for now and it is produced by friend of the podcast jeremy o'harris oh okay who put Excellent. some of its hbo money into it good for him um, nice i know right uh, and it's going to be streaming for four days, uh, June 24 to 27, but I think they're going to extend it or bring it back at some point. And the idea is that at some point they will do a physical production of it because we all know comedy works well online, but I really, uh, I would highly recommend this. Well, the next thing I'm looking forward to is also a comedy, which will be up for viewing by the time this podcast drops, but it's not here. It's, it's in England. Uh, it's Alan Agburn's company, the Stephen Joseph Theater. He has written a play for film about the pandemic called The Girl Next Door. And uh, if anybody is up for the challenge of writing a funny but ultimately serious comedy uh, about that subject, it's Alan Agburn, the British Chekhov. And uh, I'm, I can't wait for that. Uh, he did do a radio play. Uh, last year, but this will be the first one where we actually get to see people, mm. and uh, I'm mm. a great, great fan of his. So here's hoping. Uh, that sounds oh, that wow. sounds intriguing. I uh, I will just uh, mention something I have seen because it was so thrilling for me, and that was what I saw this weekend at Little Island uh, a a uh, a production of a production a, a night a concert by Broadway Inspirational Voices which is oh, the choir no. that's run by nice. Michael McElroy and has been for 27 years. And uh, so nice. that it was so exuberant and revivifying and included uh, and all Broadway uh, show tunes done in, in, in interesting arrangements, including a gospel version of an early Sondheim song called What More Do I Need? And Oh, I love that song. And they did it oh, as gospel. Wow. And it was wild. It was wildly, uh, you know, it was just so 
uh, I'm sure. I, all I could think was, what would Sondheim think? I, you know, uh, as, I hope we get to hear a take. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, just and and you know, in, even as it, we had a rain delay and we all got they were handed our ponchos and we all sat in you know our ponchos and list and watched these wonderful Broadway performers. Uh, obviously, people who'd been in the chorus of dozens of shows and maybe even featured roles, but. I have to say that it's so whetted my appetite to be back and listening and be um and just to be uplifted in that in that way that only you get when you're with other people experiencing their joy and the joy of the people on the stage. Oh, it, who's the cream puff now? I am <laughs> I am I am fluffy about the uh about the real experience of theater. <laughs> Not the kind where you have to, like, you know, nothing, use a touchpad. Nothing like the, yeah, the sound of live voices raised in song. Just even thinking about it makes my hair stand up. I don't know what, uh, I just, uh, Elizabeth. I just, uh, I just, uh, we're doing this on Zoom, obviously, and I just uh, show them uh, my bag of Parrot's booty. <laughs> I love that stuff. Oh. I haven't which had I that keep, for Which a year. I keep handy. <laughs> yeah. You got to get some SpongeBob loves that well, stuff. It's, it has been wonderful. It's been wonderful to see you yeah. all virtually. Uh, it will be awfully nice when we can uh, share a studio and do this indeed. too. Indeed. Oh yes. Indeed. Absolutely. And that's, that's not so far away. Yes. Indeed. Uh, yes. Okay. Well, that was that was meaty. There was a lot. There was a lot. We discovered so much that um, those of us who are like s- sentimental streaming people watching shows in their underwear and that Peter is actually uh, really sweet inside. And <laughs> Oh, we knew that. We, okay. We, we, we're going to edit this out. So nobody, nobody knows. Thank you. But anyway, <laughs> until the next one, 300 Alley's back before Broadway, technically speaking. And I'm Elizabeth Vincentelli. And I'm Peter Marks. You've been listening to three on the aisle, a podcast from New York about theater in America And a shout out to Rob Kent, uh, who runs American Theater Magazine, just because he uh, he kept reminding us to to come back and do this. And so thank you, Rob. Yes. Um, And of course, it's hosted by his magazine, American. Yes, indeed. I am Terry Teachout, our producer, indispensable, imperturbable. Yes. Wonderful as always is Erica Wong. You can follow us on Twitter at three on the aisle, spell it out and write to us at three on the aisle at gmail.com. We check our mailbox. And make sure you leave us a glowing rating and uh, a, uh, 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 a review of Nothing But Praise. All that good stuff. As we s- nothing But Praise. Nothing But Praise on iTunes yes. or Google Play. And yes. thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the real, real, real aisle uh, and not, not in the Zoom waiting room. <laughs>